Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. So, uh, I am just excited to be here uh, and and ready to jump in this morning with you guys. Like uh, Pastor Donnie said, I, I did come to the other uh, place, and I'm excited that there's not a church starting service in a few minutes, um, because I am ADD, and that was tough. That was tough. I, I'll admit that that once they started started up their music, I didn't even know what was going on in here. It was like, okay, God, please, I hope you're saying something good. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so if, so if you were in the other uh, building, if you, if you weren't there, then uh, there was another church that met right next door, and so when they started their music, which was about halfway through the, the sermon time uh, uh, where, where you guys were before, you couldn't even hear yourself think, so, <laughs> so, so thank you, Jesus, you're over here, um, hallelujah. So uh, we're gonna go ahead and, and pray one more time and just jump in to the word, if that's okay, Father God. God, I thank you for your love. God, your love is so, so precious and awesome, God. There's a song that says it's reckless, and I agree with that song, because I don't know if I could send my own son to pay for other people the way you did. Father, you sent your most precious gift, and that's how huge and how awesome your love is. So God, we love you this morning, and we thank you for your word. In your name, amen, amen. So this isn't in the notes, I'm not really starting yet, but <clears throat> I just wanted to share this with you. Uh, out of 1 Corinthians 2, Paul is speaking, and, or he's wrote this letter to the Corinthian church, and he says, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech, or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. And that's what I, I that's my heart this morning is to come before you. I, I don't wanna impress you. I have no desire to impress you with my, my Bible knowledge or, or anything like that, to use man's wisdom, but my hope and my desire is that I could say something to you and just love on you this morning, something that would spark inside your heart this morning and, and really share about God's love, just to share about God's love. And, and so that's why t- today's message is, is, the title of today's message is Love Wins. Everybody say, Love Wins. That's the truth, love wins. Love wins every time. It wins every time. The more I've grown in Jesus over several years of walking with God, the more I've realized that this is the key to everything. Love is the key to everything. Knowing, knowing God's love is the key to everything. And, and I've been in church a long time. In fact, 42 years, as long as I've been alive, I've been in church because my, both my grandfathers were, were pastors. And so I, I'm literally, I'm a pew baby, you know? So, uh, so I had Sunday school in my, in my, in my grandparents' dining room uh, on, uh, I think that was on Votal Road. 
Uh, and, and so my, my grandfather, he had planted this church. It was Word of Life Church. That church still exists today. And, and so we were, he, as he was preaching next door, we'd be having Sunday school at the, in the dining room. And so that's, that's, where, that's where I learned about God's love. That's, that's how I was taught was, was, was from. So I've literally, for 42 years, I've been in the church. Uh, I, I don't even remember how young I was when I first said the prayer, you know, and, you know, came down, you know, did the whole thing and, and asked Jesus into my heart. I probably did it like a lot of, many times, you know, as a kid, you know, being a, uh, how do you say it? GPPK, you know, grandparent preacher's kid. And so, uh, so, <laughs> and so, you know, the stereotypes also were true of me <clears throat> for PKs, even though I was a GPPK later in life. I just knew how to hit, hide it really well. Uh, so, so you get expert, you know, when you're a PK. And so, um, and I'm looking over at my kids as I'm saying that. Not purposely, guys. My kids are awesome. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but love is, one, one of the things I want to tell you today is love is the life-changing message of the gospel. It is the message. Love is the message. Love is the message. And without experiencing real love, we are living in a hopeless existence. Void of any real satisfaction, void of enjoyment, void of any real purpose if we don't know love, if we don't have God's love. Without, Paul said, without love, we are clanging symbols. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a clanging symbol. I don't want my life to be useless and meaningless and not have any real purpose. And I'm guessing you're like me and you want to have kingdom purpose. You want to have a life that, that, that means something. And Paul said, no matter what, if you, if you can prophesy, if you can move mountains, if you can raise the dead and you have not loved, then you are a clanging symbol. It's nothing. It means nothing. But love is also distorted and confused in the world today, is it, is it not? If you walk down the street and ask 10 different people what the word love means to them, you would probably get 10 different answers. Or maybe 12 different answers, or I don't know. But you'd get a lot of different answers. Somehow the world, the flesh, and the influence of the enemy has confused mankind to think that love is about gratifying self. Or, or love is about allowing someone else to control you and manipulate you. Or love is to let someone violate your boundaries to the point that you use sex or you use some other form of, uh, uh, of something to, to win approval from people. That's not love. That is not love. But yet that's what the world has defined. And so here's another thing that I wanna show you. Our past experience, good or bad, somehow becomes the basis for the way we are still currently receiving and defining and giving love. Our past experiences now becomes how we try to love people. What people have done to me and called it love is now how I'm trying to love my wife or how I'm trying to love my children. And if it is not actually the love of God, then, then it is a, a pathetic attempt to try to actually love somebody. Or because of experiences that have led to hopelessness, we have given up on love. We have decided it doesn't work for me, love just isn't for me, or that's just fantasy, or that's not how it is in the real world. So therefore, we've given up on hope and faith too because Paul said, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Yeah. 
So you can't have hope and you can't have faith without love. So it's easier just to give up. Well, I'll just give up. Well, I'll just, I'll just put my, 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 my attention into something else, into work or into something, something that will, I'll try to just gratify my, myself or my flesh with something else. And it's not love. And it's a clanging symbol. The Bible says God is love. If we're not experiencing God's love, then we're missing the whole point then we're just here in vain. We're just here, just, we're, you know, uh, there's other organizations that have buildings. There's other organizations that have music. There's other organizations that, that people get together and they hang out and they have fun together and they encourage each other and they have no Holy Spirit and they have no love of God and it's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but they're just hanging out. We're not just hanging out. You know, we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. So to stop believing in love is to allow our faith in God to be shipwrecked from bad experiences. To not, to not believe in the love of God is to allow our, our, our past to shipwreck our faith or failure or fear. And fear is not greater than love. In fact, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out fear. Amen? So me and my lovely wife, Beth, we met in high school. We are Apopka blue darters all the way. <laughs> and proud, can you tell? I like your, the color of your chairs, by the way, blue. Go big blue. <laughs> so we met, uh, well, we met, long, we met probably 27 years ago, but we, we've been together you know, because we started dating in high school. So we've been together for 24 and a half years-ish. So the other day, I don't know why, but the other day I got on my, my, my phone app on, and pulled up the calculator and I started calculating, you know, 24 and a half times, you know, whatever, whatever. So I figured out that we have known, been together for, for millions and millions of seconds. And I said, babe, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. You can't even take this from me, ever. So even though we love each other, we have not loved each other the right way for many, many years of that 25 years. We've been married for almost 21 years. And really just until a few years ago, I feel like, we didn't have any idea how to love each other. We were clueless. Is anyone else clueless? Is it just us? Okay. So we, we tried to love each other and failed a lot. And tried and tried and tried and failed and failed. And, and then, even though I grew up in church, I, I heard the gospel my whole life, somehow I, I missed some of this and I didn't understand some of the things that I want to talk to you about today. But my hope is that this message is a wake-up call to stir up a curious and furious, passionate, explosive, unrelenting love inside of you so that you can love God's way, so that you can experience God his way, his love his way, and then love his way. So one of the things I wanna tell you, God's love is not optional. It's not optional 
For a Christian, for a believer in Christ, we cannot escape the truth that if we are in any sort of relationship with God, that it's the very foundation, the very foundation is love. Which we will look at more in a minute, but some people have seemed to try to make Christianity to be something else, you know, and good things, but we say, well, Christianity is not so much about love, it's more about about, uh, faith, or it's more about truth, or it's more about community. Well, I agree with you, it is about those things, but you can't have faith without love, we already kinda talked about that. You, you can't, uh, you know, in, in Galatians chapter five, it says that, that, that uh, all that matters is faith expressing itself in love. And uh, in, uh, what else did I say, in community, we'll look at that. What was the other one? I lost my place. That's okay, we'll just keep moving. So, so look at this word koinonia. Koinonia is the Greek word for fellowship. Koinonia in the Greek, it's, what it means is fellowship, communion, joint participation, and intimacy. So koinonia is this intimacy with God, and it's, it's also the same word that we, that we use when we talk about fellowship with each other. It's actually also the same word used when we talk about communion. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, it says, the cup of blessing which we bless, it is, not the, is, is it not the communion, koinonia, of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? So what is it saying? It's saying that I have a joint participa- participation a, a, an intimate participation in the broken body and the blood of the lamb. When I take communion, I'm not just going through the motions and doing some kind of tradition because Jesus said, your, tradi- your traditions make the word of God of no effect. So when we take communion, this is an intimate thing. This is a closeness with God with, and we're participating in the blood of Jesus in the broken body of Jesus. And, and when we take, take upon that, we're saying that everything that he did for me, I am participating in it because I have everything he bought for me, he paid for me, he purchased for me when he died on the cross. That same word, koinonia, look in 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. It says, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship, koinonia, with us. And our fellowship, koinonia, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So what it's saying, everything, uh, Chantel said this last last week, she talked about vertical and horizontal. So, yep, I listened to the podcast. So, So that's true. You, everything you experience, the love you experience with God is the very same love that you give to other people. It's the same thing. It's the same love. So what God has always wanted with us is to have this close koinonia, this loving fellowship, and what we share with God is the same relationship we share with others. And certainly your spouse, your children, the people closest to you, but it's not limited, it's everyone. When asked, Jesus said the most important thing of all is love. But how was he asked? Remember this, how was he asked? He was asked in this way, they said, what is the greatest commandment according to the law? According to the law. Okay, so look in Matthew 22, verse 37. 
according to the law, was in verse 36. So we're gonna start at verse 37. <clears throat> Jesus replied to that question. Excuse me. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Let me explain verse 40 first. Verse 40 is saying, Jesus is saying, if you can love God perfectly and love people perfectly, then you are fulfilling everything written in the Old Testament. You're fulfilling everything that was written in the law and everything spoken by the prophets is fulfilled. Guess what? That same thing, if you went to the Ten Commandments, is fulfilled also by loving God and loving people. So everything written in the Old Testament is fulfilled by loving God and loving people perfectly. But that was asked according to the law, under the Old Covenant. Okay, this is important, okay? So just hold on to this for me. Okay, we'll get, this will all make sense in a few minutes. So the answer is from what's called the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, that's in the law. Jesus was asked an Old Covenant question and he gave an Old Covenant answer. You must love the Lord your God. You must. You, you do it. You do it. You gotta love God. In the old covenant, you, to earn righteousness, you had to follow the letter of the law to the T. And guess what? If you broke one law, what happened? You're guilty of all of them being broken. You've disobeyed the entire law when that happened. So in the Old Covenant, every law had to be obeyed to obtain righteousness. This is what you would call now as works righteousness, which leads to self-righteousness, which leads to legalism, which leads to a mess. A mess. One of the problems was according to the law, they were required to love God this way, right? Remember, Jesus, I'm not saying that what Jesus said was wrong. Obviously, it's not wrong. He was, he was answering the question according to how they asked it. But the purpose of the law was to point out sin. The purpose of the law was to reveal our utter shortcoming or ability to fulfill the law and be righteous in our own strength. We can't do it, y'all. Can't. There, did you know there are about nine different Hebrew words that are all translated sin? And one of those words, it, all it really means, basically, is missing the mark. So, did you miss the mark yesterday in any way? Guilty. Yeah. We're not living under the old covenant. If anyone's living under the old covenant, Pastor Donnie was gonna meet with you after church and we're gonna have a sit down conversation. So what's my point? We can't love God this way or our neighbors or even ourselves in our own strength. But here's the sad thing, a lot of people are trying. Still today, a lot of people are in the new covenant, they're a New Testament church, but yet, the way they're living their lives and their mindset is still an old covenant mindset. They're still trying to earn righteousness. They're still trying to, to be good enough for God to get God to love them. God, God showed you that he loves you 2,000 years ago. 
He proved his love. He showed his love. It's done. It's a finished work. Jesus loved, look at this, Jesus loved from his own experience with the Father. That's how Jesus loved, because he experienced love from the Father. Look at what he says in John 15, 9. This is where it kind of comes together. It starts to make sense now. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Or in the King James, I think it is, it says, now continue in my love, which I kind of like that better. So when Jesus is saying this, he's now talking to his disciples. This is the night that he would be crucified, that he's talking to his disciples, and he's telling his disciples, look, guys, the way that I have loved you I've loved you the way that my, my father has loved me and the way that I have loved you is the same way that you need to love other people. Now, continue in my love. Continue in my love. So you see what Jesus just did here? He just moved from old covenant to new covenant. The old covenant says you must love, you must, you must, and the new covenant is you are loved. You are loved. Now continue in my love. Do you realize that many Christians today, I already said this, but many Christians today are still relating to God in an old covenant way. Jesus, the son of God, experienced his own father's love. This is how he defined love. This is how he knew what love looked like, what it felt like, what it sounded like. How did the father speak to his son? He said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Do you know that Jesus had done nothing Nothing. He had not raised a dead, a dead person. He had not turned water into wine yet even. He, he had not healed anyone, made any blind see yet. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. The father loved the son, period. <coughs> Excuse me. So, the problem that exists in the world today is that people are doing the same thing except they're trying to love from their experiences. Worship was so good, I couldn't stop singing. And <clears throat> what, are, what are most people's experiences of love? Best case scenario, they have good-hearted parents and they did their best. But there still could be, with that, there could be Rejection. there could be boundary issues, there could be all kinds of stuff. And so you grow up and you're trying to love from that. Or worst case scenario, they were emotionally, physically, sexually abused, rejected, abandoned, ridiculed, forgotten by people who were supposed to love them. And from, <clears throat> from this place, they are now trying to love their children. From that place, they're trying to love their spouse. From that place, they're trying to love themselves. From that place, they're trying to love God. So is it God's desire still for us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength? Yes, it is, absolutely. But Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled the law and then he showed us how to and gave us the power to. <clears throat> so how could they be loving? How could the people, those people we were just talking about, how can they be loving God according to the great commandment? They can't, and therefore they feel in inadequate and like a failure because they're still trying to operate in this old covenant mindset. 
in the flesh with their own strength. They don't know how to love. And this is the state of most people, even Christian people. So the only way to know how to love is to experience his love. That's the only way. The only way to know how to love is to experience his love. Look in John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. A new command. So this is no longer under the law. This is a new command with newer and better promises in the new covenant. And Jesus says, I give you this new command, love one another. Well, didn't he tell us to love each other before? Under the old, under the old covenant, yeah. But this is different. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, I hear a lot of people talking about that second verse. Love each other and the world will know that you're my disciples. And that's what we want. We want the church and the church, we want the world to see that, that we are truly the disciples of Jesus by how, and this is how we do it, we love each other. But if we're trying to love each other from our own strength, guess what, it's not working. It has to be the same love. So the great commandment was in the law, but Jesus says this is a new command. This is a command that Jesus has fulfilled under the new covenant. He's shown us this. So Jesus already has shown that this command can be fulfilled because he did it as a man full of grace and truth. Because if you look in Philippians 2, you see that he, he set down the, the, the things that made him God. He didn't cling to that. And then he took up, took up being a servant, even a servant unto death, death on the cross, okay? And so he was fully a man, and then he came full of what? Grace and truth, John chapter one, verse 14. So everyone with me? Okay, I know I'm getting a little teachy here, but just stay with me. So, so we're called to love Jesus, to love as Jesus loves, and he showed us as a man full of grace. In the new covenant, we can love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can love others. We can love ourselves because we have the power living inside of us by way of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, I'm going to give you a helper, I'm going to leave, and it's better that I leave because one's going to come. He was talking about the Holy Spirit, right? And, the, and that word helper in the Greek actually means one like the original so one just like Jesus was going to come and, sh and live inside of us. And now, as Paul said, it's no longer me living, but Christ that lives in me. So look at what does real love look like? What does real love look like? 1 Corinthians 13, you're probably familiar with this verse, this, this passage. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I don't know about you, but growing up in church my whole life, I read that list and that to me seemed like a list of things I could never do. I would fail every time at trying to love this way. 
There's no way in my own strength that I'm gonna love this, love my wife or love my children or love <clears throat> you know, anyone this way every time. In our strength, this feels like a list of impossible love standards that we can never live up to, if we're really honest. But the Greek word in here, love, is agape, okay? It's translated love. This word used, to, used in this passage is describing agape, which it, this is a real, authentic, and un, completely unselfish love, okay? So this is the same word when we see God is love, okay? So 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, agape. Now you flip over, over the 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love, agape. God is agape. Agape is patient. Same word. So, and it says here, whoever does not love does not know God. Know is an intimate word. We know him. We know him. It's intimate. It's not like, oh yeah, I know President Trump. No, you don't. You know about him. I know my wife. I know my wife better than anyone else in this room. And we're gonna have a talk if anyone you know, disagrees, okay? That's what we're talking about. It's the same knowing like Adam knew Eve. It's an intimacy. It's an intimacy. So this is the same, that same word where we see God is love here. So we know God closely and intimately and we, and we know love or we don't. When we know God and we have this intimacy with him, this koinonia with him, like I said earlier, then you experience that love. You are loved by him. Experience this, and you'll know what love really is. You'll, you'll experience it. <clears throat> Another point that we need to look at, the Father loved us first. The Father loved us first. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, and also in 19 here, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We love because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. My wife was explaining this to a family member the other day. And they had, they, they've had, they have young kids, they just had another baby. And, and she asked him and she said, you know, when your first son was born, your first child, when he was born, did, you, did he love you first or did you love him first? And then it sunk in. The baby can't love you first. All the baby has is need and lack and will tell you about it. It's gonna cry, it's gonna poop, and it's gonna sleep and eat, and that's it. And you're gonna do that as the parent, you're gonna, you're gonna love that baby for a long, long, long time before they even know who you are. <laughs> All they know is you're the one that comes and takes care of these issues that I have. <laughs> so 
So how as infant Christians are we stepping right into you must love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and be able to actually do it? You can't. You have to experience the love of the Father first. It's first. We love because he loved us first. We experience it. We are his children. We are hopefully not infants anymore, but if you are, that's okay. It's okay if you're still there, all right? Okay? Just don't stay there, you know, because if you're 15 and, and in a high chair, it looks weird, okay? So don't do that. <laughs> Paul said, by now, you should have, you know, got somewhere. So <clears throat> when we truly experience the love of God, it is this agape love, the same love. So let's look at it again. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 13 again, but let's, let's put the word God, because it's the same word. It means God is love, agape. Okay, so let's put that in there and look at it again. It says God is patient. Is that how you're experiencing God's love? God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily anchored. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts. God always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. <laughs> Hallelujah. God never fails. That's experiencing the actual love of the Father. And that's what it looks like, and that's what it feels like. And if it feels any other way to you, then you've been deceived. I'm here to tell you, you've been deceived. Someone or something or past experiences or hurt or pain or religion or dead works or a liar has told you something that you've swallowed that has told you that God is not actually as good as he is. God is good. He is good. This is a heart thing because God is a heart God. In other words, you believe with your heart. You're experiencing the God that you believe in. It becomes what you believe in your heart is, becomes the filter for how you see God. So if you believe God is angry, then that's the version of, of God that you're experiencing. If you believe that God is disappointed in you to, this morning, then that's the version of God that you've been believing. If you believe that God is just, is, you know, anything other than pleased with you, than excited for you, that says, that's my son, that's my daughter, look at him. Think of like, like you're in a little league game and you're seeing your son hit a home run for the first time. God is excited. He's your daddy God, your Abba Father. He's excited to see you. So if you believe the truth and you're experiencing him, then you will know him and not just know about him. Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
in the Passion's translation, the same verse, it says, so above, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellsprings of life. From there, from where? From your heart, from your heart beliefs, flows the wellspring of life. Everything in your life is flowing from what you believe. If you're not experiencing more in your life and you thought, well, I, I feel like I should be experiencing more in my life. I feel like I should be stepping into more in the kingdom. I feel like God should be taking me in, into higher places. And I want to ask you, what do you believe about God? What do you believe? Because your faith only has the capacity for what your heart will believe. I'll say that again. Your faith only has the capacity for what your heart beliefs are. So what, so what are you believing? If God has given you more of a dream or a passion or something in your heart, and, you, and it's something that you know God's put there, then believe in it. Believe in what the word that he's placed in there is. Look in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Before we read that... <clears throat> Let me just say this. What you believe in your heart about God is determining how you speak, how you treat people, and your ability to receive love and forgiveness for yourself. It flows from the heart, guys. God told Samuel when he went to anoint David, don't look on the outside. That's how man looks. I look on the inside. I look at the heart. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, this is the Passion Translation. He says, people are known in the same way. Out of the virtue stored in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. But, one of the, one, but out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones produce what is evil. For the overflow, somebody say overflow. For, for the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. What's in your heart will come out of you. If you go soak a sponge in some blue Kool-Aid, and you pull it out of the bucket or something, you know, and you squeeze it, what's gonna come out? Blue Kool-Aid. Whatever you have in your heart, when you get sweets, it's coming out. Amen? In the King James, that, that scripture, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in here is your belief system. It's not information. It's not information here. This isn't enough. This will give you knowledge, but the Pharisees had the first five books of the Bible memorized and looked at the Messiah eye to eye and didn't know who he was. They were just filled with so much pride and bitterness and thought, who's this guy? Who's this cat trying to get up on our territory? That's all they were concerned with. So head knowledge isn't enough. You have to know him. Jesus said, follow my teachings and then you will know the truth and then the truth will set you free. The truth won't set you free. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. Know the truth. It's an intimate knowing, knowing him, knowing him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know him and that's how you find freedom. God's love is given away from our hearts. We experience him and it's given away from our hearts. I had a, a vision I shared with Pastor Donnie a few weeks ago. And the, the vision was, 
I, I saw a flood and it was just flowing in the streets everywhere. It was flood, flooding into businesses. It was flooding into people's homes. And at first, you know, my, in my mind, I, was, I thought, well, Lord, is that from the church? You know, like I was picturing like a building, like a church building. And he said, no, no, no. It's flowing from people's hearts. It's an overflow from their hearts. But then God began to show me that there was dams built up in people's hearts. And the dams represented fear. And each, then I, I saw closer and I saw each brick of the dam that was built. And each brick had a name on it. And each brick was named things like shame and the past and guilt. And because of fear, there was these dams built up in people's hearts and it was blocking the flood from coming out. And the flood was God's love. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants to break the dam. And actually, he's already put everything in there for it to be broken. But you have to believe it. You have to take personal responsibility and believe in who God really is and believe who, what his love really is. In 1 John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not, is not made perfect in love. Fear has to do with punishment. When God took all of the punishment and the wrath and the judgment for our sin, and then he took his mercy and compassion and sent his son, and it came together at the cross. And the cross consumed it. It consumed it. Do you know that you're already forgiven past, present, and future sins? But reconciliation takes two to tango. God's done his part. But you have to, you have to take it in and believe it. Accept his, his love and his forgiveness. And, and, you know, my goodness, move on. Don't stay stuck there. Don't stay stuck in the past. That's what baptism is. Baptism is a picture that you have died with Christ and been risen again a new life. So when we're really experiencing the love of the Father, we don't live our lives from a place of fear, from a place of the past, from a place of that pain and that hurt. We are not living from a place that, that is stuck there. We have an ultimate awareness of his presence by the, by the Holy Spirit. It's reminding us, I am a child of God. Every promise of God is my inheritance. I am an heir of the promise of Abraham and a co-heir with Christ. I have been bought by the blood of the perfect lamb of God. I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. The word perfect means whole. He's made us whole by his love. I have died with Christ and raised a new life. I, now I'm free to be loved with this perfect love and love people with that same love. So God's love is the foundation for all life. God's love is the foundation for all of life. Jesus said in Matthew 7 about the wise and the foolish builder, and he said, if you follow my teachings, then you're built, it's like building your life, building a, a house, a home, your life upon the solid rock. And when the storms come, they can't knock it down. 
But if it's built on the sand, then it'll crumble. In the world today and in the church, there are two ways that the Father is seen. And this is how people are relating to God. You've probably heard this story before, but I'm going to tell it to you again as we get ready to wrap up here. And it's, we know it as the story of the prodigal son, but it's really a story of two sons. There's two sons in the story. Sometimes that second son isn't really emphasized. But in Luke 15, verse 17, after the, the prodigal son, you know, he went out and he squandered the wealth of his, of his father's inheritance. He made a lot of mistakes. He sinned. He was hungry, he was broken, he was homeless. He was in the, the lowest of the lowest place he could be. And he just thought, man, my, my father's servants have it better than this. I can just go home and just beg that he'll just let me be a servant. And it says in verse 17, Luke 15, verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, look at this picture of the father. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Do you, do, you, do you know why he ran to his son? Because of what his son did, he deserved to be stoned according to the law. And his father ran to him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Did the father remind him of his mistakes? Did he say, where have you been? What did you do with your money? How could you come back here? Nope. He celebrated that his son was home. Then there's the other brother, the older brother. And I want you, before I read this, I want you to get a picture of these two types of people and how they are relating to the father. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry. He was angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all of these years, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. 
Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, do you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. The older brother is more lost than the younger brother ever was because he's right there with daddy and he's totally blind. His father said, you have always had everything and you didn't see it. This brother is totally ticked off by the father's love and compassion and forgiveness of his brother. He's totally focused on himself and his works and how much he's done for the father. He said, I've slaved for you. I've never disobeyed you. I've been doing and doing and doing. Don't you see everything I've done? He has convinced himself that the father doesn't love and appreciate him. He has tried to earn something that he never needed to earn in the first place. He's never needed to earn it in the first place. He's trying to get something. I believe many Christians today are trying to earn something that God has freely given them at the cross. This attempt to earn God's love and favor and blessing is actually crippling them and has planted bitterness in their heart. Like the Pharisees looking right in the eyes of Jesus are blind by their pride by their works righteousness, by their self-righteousness, by their, their own self. And not seeing, he loves you first. He loved you first. You don't earn his love. He loved you first. What is it, so what is it for me to do, Pastor Dave? Believe. When people came to Jesus and said, how can we do the works that you do? He said, the only work you have is to believe because that's where they were at the time. He knew their heart. He knew where they were. They just needed to believe. Is there good works to do? Yes, of course. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. You're created in Christ Jesus for good works. But as long as you're doing stuff to try to earn God's love, that's called dead works. In, in Hebrews chapter six, it's called, it's called works that lead unto death. I believe that's the picture of the big brother. He's a picture of religion, dead religion and legalism. He's a picture of someone who's angry because they see God being loving and compassionate to other people. And they think, well, the God I know is, you know, he's, he's not that good. He's not that merciful. What God are you believing in today? Are you believing in the God who is love? God is agape. See, the big brother, he's totally missing the heart of the father even though he had, to access, he had access to enjoy everything that his father had. The father never withheld anything from him. Yet he lived from a place of lack 
and fear. From his own experience, from his own past, from his own bitterness, from his own whatever it is. And how many people today are experiencing those things and living from those things and trying to love God from that place, trying to earn righteousness? 2 Corinthians 5, 21, it said that he became sin. He became sin that we would become the righteousness of God in Christ. So what are we earning? What are we trying to get God to give us? Maybe you find yourself in one of these, you can identify with one of these two sons and I just want to ask you today, if you don't, if you haven't experienced God's love, the way I've been describing it, then this may have like got under your skin a little bit. It may have rubbed you. And, and, and I want to tell you, I'm here to love you because I used to be the older brother. I was the older brother for many years. I didn't know it, but I was. And then I had to become the younger brother and see my father, my daddy God, run to me and embrace me and put a ring on my finger and a robe around me. And this is someone who was raised in church, was told that God loved, I was, I was raised with the truth my whole life, but yet somehow I got caught up in legalism and and dead works, and I became that older brother. And so, I want you to understand that if that's you at, at all, if you feel that way at all, my heart is for you. I'm here for you. I would love to pray with you, I would love to talk to you. Mr. Pastor Donnie would love to pray with you and talk to you. Because you can experience Agape, and you can be healed from the past and the pain and the hurt, and then live from a place that is whole. Amen. So you can go ahead and stand up. And if you would, let's pray together. Lift your hands up to heaven and just repeat this this prayer, this proclamation, really. Say, Father, I believe in the real you. I believe in your love. And I know that you have loved me unconditionally. You have loved me recklessly. Your love is greater than anything than I could possibly understand. I surrender my thoughts and vain imaginations that would oppose you, that would oppose who you really are. I take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I surrender my opinions that I can get a revelation of your agape love.
your real love. Your love is patient. Your love is kind. Your love holds no record of wrongs. You are good. You are good. You are so good, Father. Thank you for loving me. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.